Final Boy Status is a podcast about scary movies and the stuff that happens in them. The entire horror genre is generally frightening and disturbing. So if you're a kid, be sure to ask your parents if it's okay for you to listen. Or don't. You'd probably be cooler if you didn't ask for their permission. But then again, I won't tell you how to live your life. Also, we will be discussing spoilers during this podcast, so don't say we didn't warn you. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Final Boy Status. I'm your host, Lance and Lappin. I'm joined by Adam Michael Bone. That's me. And Luke Rowdy Howder. Oh, boy. I, I wish there was a way for the audience to see that the way you tense it, like a, like a lion about to pounce, the way you, you tense up right before starting the show. Just like there's a stillness. You go like completely still, like a gargoyle on a building. Storm, and then kapow! He he leaps. It's it's cra- it's great. There's real energy to it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I He's am pro. fully reclined right now, and I will probably fall asleep by the end of this recording. <laughs> Let's do it. You gotta be perched. You gotta be ready. You gotta be an apex predator um, to do t- this show. Tippy tippity tap tap toes. <laughs> when you're hosting. All right, guys. So. uh for some of you listeners who uh, this may be your first episode, welcome. Uh, for some long-time listeners, welcome back. Uh, basically, the premise of what we do here at Final Boy Status is I'm sure many of us have kind of been in uh, the situation of watching a horror movie or a spooky movie and kind of said to ourselves or our friends, oh, well, that was a dumb decision, or I could have survived that, or maybe I couldn't have survived that. So that's what we do. We dive in, we dissect, and we just get get into it and have some fun. That's right, Lanson. So yeah, Ghostbusters. Should I should I pick up with a little bit and tell you about the sure. film Ghostbusters? That'd be great. Let's hear it. Right up. So uh, Ghostbusters. Yes, released in 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. Of course, uh, this idea came from Dan Aykroyd because he has a certain fascination with the paranormal. Uh, it kind of runs in his family. His dad actually wrote a book about ghosts. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough. So he conceived it as a movie for him and John Belushi, as a matter of fact. And Mm -hmm. when he started writing the script, it was vastly, vastly different. Uh, For instance, the Ghostbuster Mobile, uh, Ecto-1, in his version of the script, basically started with that flying out of the Ghostbusters' home base of operations. They traveled through time. They traveled through dimensions. It was, uh, yeah, pretty nuts. And... Uh, according to Dan Aykroyd, he was working on the script and literally wrote a line for John Belushi's character, who would go on to be Dr. Peter Venkman. He wrote a line for John Belushi's character, got a phone call, picked it up, and that's when he was told that John Belushi had passed away. Mm-hmm. Oh. So obviously, script had to start going through some changes just based on that. Aykroyd, I almost said Ramis, which is incorrect at this juncture... <laughs> Aykroyd took it to director Ivan Reitman, who had worked on, I mean, Animal House, Stripes. He's He's got some pretty solid credits under his belt at this point. And Aykroyd 
kind of thought, you know, this guy can do it. Reitman looked over the treatment that Aykroyd had done and basically said, I don't think this version of the movie can exist because you wrote a like a $300 million movie and I don't think anybody's interested in making a comedy for $300 million. So we might need to kind of rethink our approach to this. Uh, people have kind of asked Dan Aykroyd if that bothered him, and he said not at all. He sort of liked being sort of like the structure guy of saying, like, here's like the broad strokes idea, and then bringing it to other people and having them refine it. He said he kind of liked having that with this movie. Mm -hmm. So Ivan Reitman had worked, obviously, a couple times with Harold Ramis at this point. So Aykroyd and Reitman are having lunch, I guess, and they basically just walked to a nearby movie studio where uh, Harold Ramis was working on something, and they met with him then and there and said, do you want to join with us on this? And he said, sure. So Reitman and Aykroyd and Ramis started refining the story, making it more realistic. They wanted sort of a more, a much more, like... I mean, realism is really just sort of the key word. They wanted to tone down what the original concept was, and they wanted to make it a little more down-to-earth and sort of build it to the more dramatically weird and funny stuff, you know? I mean, Aykroyd's script apparently had the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man coming out of the Hudson River about 20 minutes in, and they decided, you know, let's make a movie that starts really grounded and realistic and builds to a point where when the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man shows up, you're like, yep, sounds good. That would have been a different movie for sure. Definitely. Uh, and Aykroyd's version of the script had three primary Ghostbusters, but this is where things kind of get interesting. The three Ghostbusters were, like I said, going to be Aykroyd, John Belushi, and he actually originally intended for the third one to be Eddie Murphy, and this was the Winston Zedmore character. So the character of uh, Egon Spangler didn't really exist until Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman started working on it. Ivan Reitman knew that he wanted Harold Ramis to be in the movie, so he suggested sort of a, a fourth Ghostbuster who would be kind of the brainy one and sort of the stoic of the group. He sort of pitched it basically as your, you know, of the three or the four Ghostbusters should basically be like the brains of the Ghostbusters, the heart of the Ghostbusters, the mouth of the Ghostbusters, and the muscle of the Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. The idea being Aykroyd's character would be the heart. The Harold Ramis character would be the brain, Bill Murray's character would be the mouth, and the Winston Zedmore character would be, like, the muscle of the group. Uh, the really crazy thing about this movie is they got a green lit uh, not long after they decided to tone, tone back, like, the wild version of the movie to something more realistic. They got it green lit to make it for $30 million dollars a budget that apparently Ivan Reitman made up. Like, he'd made stripes for $10 million, and he said, uh, we could probably do Ghostbusters for three times that much, so he just, like, BS'd it at, at meetings to try and get money. Yeah. He didn't actually know for sure that he could do it for that much. He just guessed. But one executive took him up on it. This is, I, I believe I read somewhere, this is March of 83 or something, and the executive took him up but said that they could only do it if they were sure that they could get the movie in theaters by June of 1984. And oh, Reitman said yes. Keep in mind, this is before they had the script. <laughs> so uh -huh. he has 13 months to get the movie in theaters, and he doesn't have a script, he hasn't casted it, he hasn't done any pre-production work whatsoever. He doesn't even know when he's going to film it. So... He really went for broke on this one. Uh, obviously, Peter Venkman 
was refined for Bill Murray. Uh, Ramis had written a lot for Bill Murray in the past and felt confident that he could write a Bill Murray character. So they just went ahead and repurposed the character for him. Uh, it was greatly changed from how it was when it was written for John Belushi to accommodate a very different kind of comedian. Uh, Harold Ramis initially, like like I said, Reitman basically made the character of Egon Spangler because he wanted Ramis to play it. He initially wasn't going to, but ultimately caved and decided he was the only one that could do it uh, after Reitman and Aykroyd were both like, come on, man, like you got to do this. Uh, Bill Murray basically took like a handshake deal, which he's famous for, and said, yep, I'll do it. He didn't sign anything official until like maybe like two weeks before the movie started filming or something. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> something ridiculous. Uh, in terms of the audition process for the character of Dana Barrett, uh, the two most noteworthy names they were looking at were Julia Roberts and, of course, Sigourney Weaver, who ended up getting the role. They were nervous about Sigourney Weaver because they weren't sure that she could be funny. So apparently in the audition, she improvised a whole scene of her acting like a dog just to try to make the producers laugh and prove to them that she could do a comedy. And I guess it worked because she's in the movie. And like I said, they're doing all the pre-production for this movie while the script is being written and rewritten. Mm -hmm. It's a really, honestly, it's amazing this movie came out as the classic and like as good as it is when you consider that they're literally making it all at the same time, basically. <laughs> like, So for instance, when they're casting the role of Dana, she is actually at that time in the script, in the version of the script they're working on. She is a model and she basically kind of disappears halfway through the second act. It was Sigourney Weaver who suggested that there be two of, like, these dog characters. In the original script, Lewis was the only one that got possessed by, like, the weird dog thing. She suggested that there be two and that the second one uh, possessed Dana to give the Ghostbusters a more personal stake in that possession storyline. And, uh... <laughs> Much for the better. She also suggested that Dana be a musician instead of a model. Likewise, when they brought in uh, Rick Moranis, he helped refine that character a lot as well. He came up with the idea that he be an accountant. He sort of also improvised a lot of like the really long-winded like Lewis Tully. That character is basically just talking at people all the time, yeah. and apparently Rick Moranis would ad lib just large sections of like those talking at people scenes. For instance, uh, when we see Lewis's party, it has a long one shot take of him walking around the party talking to everybody before he throws the coats in the closet on top of the gargoyle thing. Apparently, he ad libbed that entire scene where he's walking around the party talking to people. Wow! <laughs> wow! Uh, what a what a legend. Impressive. I, Mac Rick impressive. I guess we got to talk about the character of Winston Zedmore. So they put a lot of depth and detail into that character, thinking that Eddie Murphy was going to be taking the part. He ends up turning it down. Basically, two of the prominent candidates are Reginald Vell Johnson, who ends up making an appearance in a really small role towards the end of the movie. And, uh, of course, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson sees a draft of the script that he really, really likes and basically clinches the deal for himself by agreeing to do the, to do the movie for half of his normal fee. And then the night before filming starts, he gets handed a new draft of the script where his character is drastically diminished and basically shows up halfway through the movie. <laughs> so according to Ernie Hudson, the version of the script he saw 
Um, he was introduced as an Air Force demolitions expert with a much more elaborate backstory. And in the version of the script they filmed, actually that was partially kept in because the original interview scene where he's being interviewed by Annie Potts, who plays the secretary. I don't even remember the character name of the secretary. It's just Annie Potts. Yeah, I don't remember it <laughs> right? either, to be honest with you. Um, so apparently that scene was originally much longer and actually explored a little more of his backstory. So the version of the script he, ca- he got had a little bit of his backstory as a demolitions expert and as a veteran and all of these things, and that got taken out in the edit. Ernie Hudson, understandably, has a little bit of a hate-love relationship with this movie, where, obviously, he's a part of it. He's a part of a very iconic group, but also it's not what he thought he was signing up for. He So he was a little bit tricked and put, you know, pulled around by these guys. Yeah. That's basically the entire cast right there. Well, there's uh, William Atherton playing Walter Peck, I believe is the character name, the uh, stooge from the EPA. Well, and William Atherton, like, has, has been very clear that his life has kind of been ruined by this role because everybody hates him for no reason. He goes, people in bars, like, try to beat me up. Like, oh my people gosh. scream this at me. People Jeez. call me names. <laughs> He's like, it was a character, you guys. <laughs> no, you were real in the movie and you were a real jerk. That's all we need to know. Yeah, let's take some calls. Let's take some calls. Moving on to a fun little section of our show where we get to rank our movie that we just watched or have watched somewhat recently usually we give a general uh, opinion out of 13 as well as a spoopiness opinion out of 13 well but also like when we do comedy movies we tend to do like funny out of 13 as well i feel like that should be we should revive that for this one because we yeah, did a... that, i think that's pretty fair for cool. this one yeah. yeah i think anything that's like equal parts comedy we should be willing to do that you don't want to give it a little score just because it's not trying to be a, yeah. a scary movie yeah if yeah, it's not sure. spooky you got to give it a different category to for score sure. some big numbers in yeah all right well i guess i'll start with myself and give my general opinion of this good old movie please do it really is just a classic the characters are very well written they flow very well the dynamic is is just it works great um, so I would, my overall opinion, I would give this a solid 9 out of 13. Yep. And going at it for scary and funny ratings, where would you, where would you land it? Oh, scary, it's like 2, I don't know. It's, it's got, okay. I would, you, you weren't uh, scared over a 2 with Ghostbusters? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Were okay. you? Hey, we're not at me. We're oh, not to we'll yet. get to we'll get to you, Adam. We'll get to your, that. Your time to shine will come. But yeah, as far as comedy, I give it a. I would match it with a solid nine as well. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Go for yeah. it. Adam. I really like this film. I think I should be transparent with the audience about the fact that it has been a few years since I've seen it. So I'll be kind of the. Uh, if you haven't seen it in a while, a relatable voice in this conversation as I pretend like I know what's going on. But I, I, I remember the basic <laughs> premise of the film. Uh, it's, it's, I remember it being very funny. And uh, interestingly, as a kid, I was, I was definitely scared of this movie. I, I distinctly remember being in my bathtub. I, I must have been very young. 
And my brothers liked to play pranks on me. I was deathly afraid of spiders and Ghostbusters. And so they'd scare me with pictures of spiders. And then they'd play... Pictures of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that would have got me too, though. They weren't, <laughs> weren't good enough to Canadian. find those on the internet. <laughs> if he traded places with that spider, it would be just as effective. Trading places. Be. All right. I got two more of those in me. All right. Yeah, let's keep them going. But they played the theme song, you know, the... the yeah, exactly. The not scary, very <laughs> campy. It was the theme song, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. it wasn't like the haunting score. It was like the, the Ghostbusters theme song. And I remember being in my bathtub and just screaming my head off because I was so scared. <laughs> I don't know what it was about this movie. I think it was just the, the design of some of the ghosts really just rubbed me the yeah. wrong way for a little... I don't know. I was like five or something. So I honestly got to bump up the scary score because of that. I'm obviously not. The last time I watched it, I was an adult, and I wasn't at all scared. But I think I've got to pay homage to, to my younger self, and I think I'll give it like like a, a, a 5 mm. out of 13. I'm not going to give it too much because, yeah, it's not that scary. But 5-year-old me would have appreciated some, some respect, and uh, he deserved it. Naked in the bathroom, screaming his head off. <laughs> but I, I don't know why I started with that one. Funniness, it, I, I really like Bill Murray and everything he does is is pretty much comedy gold in my in my book. He's just naturally, the, the looks he gives, the reactions he has is all yeah. good. His comedy is never lost in translation. Yes. Nope. <laughs> Rick Moranis <laughs> is also, I'm a big fan of, obviously another very... Especially learning about how he's just kind of, what do you call it, improving a bunch of his lines. Like, it's yeah. just super, especially this character is just very Rick Moranis, and I really love him. Um, well, and it should be pointed out that, like, in terms of ad-libbing, there was a lot, there was a lot of that going on. Because it's, it's mainly comedians they've got yeah. in this movie. Harold Ramis ad-libbed. At the beginning, uh, Bill Murray says to him, it's like my favorite line in the movie and I'm blanking on it. But he says to him, like, this is just like the time where you tried to drill a hole in your head and he improvised. That would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. That's cool. I, I am. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. I, I think it, it shows in the energy and in the acting of this movie. It feels very, I don't know, very naturally funny is the way I want to put it. Yeah, there are like jokes, but I think a lot of the, the actors are just good at it. I, I mean, funniness, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to match Lance in here and go 9 out of 13. I think I haven't done just general, just the general rating. I think this is kind of hard because it is a classic and it's it's kind of, it's always hard to, to rate a movie that's just such a staple of the 80s. And <laughs> I don't know, you just can't, you can't like really hate on it, but at the same time, I don't know. Is it my favorite comedy? No. Does it kind of fall flat sometimes? I feel like it does, and and I feel like it's it's it gets kind of weird. And like I said, it's been a sec since I've seen it, but I remember my last impression being like, you know what? It gets kind of weird sometimes. It doesn't always work for me, but when it's funny, it's really funny. And when it's kind of going for the weird, I guess it it achieves that too. I'm gonna go for a eight out of thirteen. E Kapow! Nice, solid. Yeah, for me, uh, so, 
I don't I don't think I've said this on mic, but the two of you know that like my parents were really weird about scary movies growing up. I wasn't really allowed to watch any. Mm. But this was a movie that my dad loved. I think my mom was kind of indifferent towards it, but my dad really liked it. So I saw this movie over and over again as a kid. But my dad was like really picky about like what I could see. So there were plenty of moments in this movie that I didn't see until I was like a teenager or even like an adult. Sure. So for instance, uh, the weird like dream where Dan Aykroyd has sex with a ghost. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that that was in I the was movie until I was a grown up. Yeah. I didn't see that part until I was a grown up. I was like, oh, Neither that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the the scene where uh, Dana gets abducted by Zool, mm-hmm. I had not seen, I think, until I was 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. No, there was like a lot of stuff in this movie that I didn't see as a kid. My my parents were like weirdly selective. So, yeah, like there's a lot of imagery in this movie that as a kid kind of freaked me out. And then watching it like with with no adult supervision for the first time, I think when I was like with my parents not there, probably the first time I watched it all the way through was when I was like 17 or 18. So I'm, I might give it a slightly scarier score than you're expecting for, for spookiness. But just because my memory of this as a kid was it was just like a straight comedy. Yeah. So the more I saw the scary stuff, the more I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that makes sense. It's unraveling <laughs> as you keep watching it. Yeah. So I, I'm, 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 I think I'm going to put it at a three. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's I'm some stuff numbers. in this movie that when I saw it for the first time as a teenager, genuinely freaked me out because I didn't know that it was in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dana getting abducted by Zool, I think, being, like, the number one part of that. Like, that's a that's a really, like, kind of nerve-wracking scene for me. Mm-hmm. Even now, now that I've seen it, um, and I know it's coming and I know what happens, I still watch that scene and I get real weird and tense because it's, like, <laughs> in my head that didn't exist as a part of the movie for so long. Uh, in terms of funny, oh boy, I, I'm just gonna g- agree with you guys right now and say nine out of nine out of thirteen for me. I think it's incredibly funny. I think not perfectly funny, but genuinely funny, and it gets and it gets laughs out of me. Overall rating, fascinating. Yeah, like you said, hard to mess with a classic. I, yeah, I'll put it. I'll put it in like an eight point five or go. nine. Still, yeah. Which, right. which one? Which one, Luke? 8.75, you've got nothing on me. That's Suck good. It. You got it. Hey, you got there. <laughs> there you go. No, no <laughs> argument. <laughs> <laughs> you've challenged him. Luke is very... You want to crack at the title? today. <laughs> He's taking his cuts. He's I've... going for the championship. <laughs> Here's a question for you guys. Did you all ever have a favorite Ghostbuster when you were younger or now? Egon. Hey, same here, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Egon. I, I don't think I was into it enough to have a favorite ghost okay that's fair so even you're, now i, I half the time you. you're terrified so you're like yeah. i don't want to know ah, any of them <laughs> i won't go near it yeah fair enough Hello, everybody this is luke howarder from final boy status here to tell you that if you like our show please share it. You can subscribe. You can send it to your friends. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And you can even leave reviews. We promise we won't get offended by anything you say unless you say something profoundly offensive Then we might be. So please share our show.
I guess let's talk about. We could talk about something. <laughs> the weather. The weather. <laughs> we could talk about the movie. <laughs> Uh, sky's the limit yeah this is man this is such a we i mean really we i i say we we well i guess all three of us agreed on this movie i think i was the one that suggested it but all three of us agreed to do this movie but now it's like wow we really backed ourselves into a corner because there is neither a killer nor are there deaths in another this movie another yeah. weird one to to, yeah. In the format of our podcast, I mean, we do have a villain. We have a villain in Ghost of the Gozarian, who is literally a god of destruction. Yes. That's, I mean, as far as the killers we've discussed, that's a all-powerful being there. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like there isn't really anything to break down there. I feel like the, <laughs> the breakdown needs to be mostly about the characters, because it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about. Like, it's a god of destruction. Like, yes takes the form of a woman as well as is it although i did i did find out that they wanted uh, uh what's the name of like the architect that built the building it's like ivo shandor or something i think so they talk about like when they're in prison like the guy who designed and built the building was like a cult leader and yeah. madman named mm-hmm. dr ivo shando or something so originally gozer was going to appear in the form of this architect and the joke was going to be it was going to be a very like average looking guy in like a tweed suit <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted that to be played by paul rubens uh, hey. as in you know peewee's playhouse uh, peewee herman yeah mm. that was supposed to be him but he turned it down so then they played around with it being a more like david bowie androgynous look and they cast a slavic actress and then dubbed over her lines because apparently her accent was really thick <laughs> thick just to get it straight so gozer uses those dogs to possess the two guys and the two guys the plan i'm just saying his like motivation his plan to take over the world or whatever is destroy the world because he's the god of destruction that's right yeah dude is for them to they're like a key together and then it opens up the portal for him to come am i getting that right something like that yeah they they basically open the door the portal for gozer to come through so i guess that's i mean if we're talking about the 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 killer i'm doing air quotes um it's it's kind of a weird plan for one limited by this weird gate key and i feel like a lot could go wrong there i feel like it's not a full foolproof plan well we talked about argument to it i don't know when we talked about the guy that built this building ivo i i don't know i've ivo shander uh whatever his name whatever that freaking guy is yeah um it said that like his whole thing was after surviving world war one he was convinced that humankind deserved res- destruction which is a really profound backstory and in a, in a 1980s comedy yeah movie, honestly very uh, um agree. so basically he built this building to basically be an antenna for the supernatural and it was dedicated to gozer and they would perform rituals intended to bring gozer there so this this building was literally constructed gotcha to attract gozer to that and like the statues on the building are modeled after the gatekeeper and the key master That's so that they could is. come and so that they could arrive through like those statues and find hosts and blah 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 what I will say about that is I have a brother who is an architect and having a building built exactly the way you've designed it 
is so much of like a nightmare. <laughs> Most architects, all architects will have to compromise somewhere. Sure. So the idea that this guy has built like a finely tuned antenna for the supernatural and at no point in time had to compromise on that, I might question that a little. Sure. <laughs> but assuming the building gets built and is a supernatural antenna, I am I, I am not particularly opposed to the idea that the gatekeeper and the keymaster arrive and manage to open the door because it was literally like a landing pad for for those people that for, makes for sense. those people for yeah. those entities i feel like that's a pretty easy part and forgive again my ignorance but um did they just have to go find a random host or was it those two was it rick moranis and sigourney weaver that like they had to be it it must have been because i mean rick moranis is throwing a party in his apartment with a lot of people there but it chases him down like yeah. across the street through a it... park and like you does whatever it does to him outside of like that restaurant in that hilarious edit where he's like sliding down the window and then everybody just goes back to their dinner yeah <laughs> so yeah clearly it was and you know dana's clearly kind of like marked because she opens the fridge she sees zool so it clearly like marks her for for something so it seems I mean, chosen before, yeah, yeah. we're not told specifically, I guess, no. but they must have been specifically chosen. Otherwise, like, why chase Rick Moranis, like, across the street through a park and do all of this nonsense? I think the signs point to that. I think, well, okay, hearing what you have to say, I feel like just to give uh, Gozer a, a shot at, at, you know, <laughs> explaining the villain. Crack at the title. He, it seems like a, with you saying that, not a lot could go wrong, I guess, because if you got those hounds on you, I don't think there's a whole lot of ways you could escape that, you know? Yeah, if it's tracking down you specific, or if it can just like possess anybody. If it could possess anyone, then it's yeah. just it's hard to stop, and it's easy for you not to be the target because it's just a matter of statistics, like one out of whatever <laughs> or two out of whatever. But if it's targeting you, yeah, can't really get away from that. So I guess either perspective, it's the the gatekeeper and the key master are gonna probably end up on the tower, and it's probably gonna open the portal. Pretty unavoidable. Yeah, I don't know. That is interesting though, because like I said, Sigourney Weaver is clearly like marked as the, let's say the the host for Zool, but there's not really much indication given that like Rick Lewis is marked to be the the vessel for Vins. So maybe one it, it doesn't just, matter. He just happened to live in the building and it apparently targeted him. Yeah. Well, maybe it's... So maybe Sigourney Weaver was targeted, but Rick Moranis was random. And so it's like, she was the one. She was chosen. She was a good host. But then it was like, okay, any other schmuck could <laughs> be the guy because it's more of a chaotic spirit... Not that this really has a whole lot to do with what we're talking about, but it is interesting to think about. <laughs> I don't know. But, it, but again, like, if it is just like any old random schmuck, it's interesting that it chases him down. That's true. It, I mean, maybe once it has its sight set, it can't look at it. I don't know. Maybe it does have to be like somebody who lives in the building. Somebody who yeah, just lives maybe. in the building. Because, like, building is of everybody, of everybody that like the monster passes, I think he of everybody like the monster like comes across during like the chase to get Rick Moranis. 
he's the only one that actually lives in the building, I think. Mm. So that makes sense. Yeah, like you know, his predator vision is like beep 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 doesn't live doesn't live doesn't live lives. Yeah, <laughs> just get into the characters at this point, I guess. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I, didn't think I, there was I don't any... know if there's any more to say. We did I our best. I didn't think there was anything to say about Gozer, hey. but we found a couple. We things, had to ring so it that out. Was interesting. <laughs> If we consider us in this movie as average Joes, what we do have to keep in mind is the Ghostbusters with are highly like qualified individuals. Yeah. yeah. Peter Venkman studies the supernatural, so do uh so do Ray and Egon. Ray and Egon have literally built the devices built devices that can fight the supernatural. They built the proton packs that ultimately destroy Gozer. Right. Um and even Winston, like, he's no slouch. Like, he's a vet. He's an expert in demolitions, according to the backstory that doesn't come up in the movie. Really? But he can stand with them and he can fight. So uh, surviving this movie kind of takes on an interesting dimension of us as we are now as average Joes. Depends on who we are. So, for instance, in this movie... If I'm in the Lewis situation and I'm possessed by one of these demon dogs, but then the four, but then the three scientists and the army vet show up and save me. Yes, I survived this movie. But if I'm in one of the places, but if I'm in the place of one of the Ghostbusters, I very much probably would die. Yeah, because I guess with all of our movies, we have to decide at what point are we putting ourselves in the movie. Like, are we given all of the materials and the hearse car and all that, and then just go be wild in the streets you hooligans and or are like or at the beginning do we try and fight ghosts without having the whatever it's called the proton uh blaster <laughs> is that what it is yeah, yeah 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 that's it it felt right saying coming out so just needed validation but yeah where where would we put ourselves if if assuming we had the tech but we just 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 our skills or if we had to start from scratch yeah there's no way i would I would just, not that any of the ghosts are technically lethal in this movie, but I would not be able to bust them. It really, really comes down to, like, which character we are subbing in for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if I'm subbing in for Egon, yeah, we die. Because I know know nothing. I can't build a proton pack. Proton pack, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Lanson, weigh in. Proton pack, can you build it? Well, I'd be the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, of course. (laughs) So I'm dead either way. (laughs) And even if I was a Ghostbuster, I'd just end up being like, what's this bad boy? (laughs) Shoot myself in the face accidentally. Whoopsie. All the safety was off. So, yeah, I don't... Man, I, any way that you slice it, I'm 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 toast. I'm a dead boy, a dead roasted boy. <laughs> Lansing gave up immediately. Yeah, I'm for dead. a movie with, with no deaths all around, Lansing's like, I'm dead. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out. dead. Yeah, I come back scary. as a ghost in Ghostbusters too. Ah, uh, yes, the superior film, the better one, <laughs> with Ivan Ooze, <laughs> the one everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, that that's sort of like so. Okay, so what what like what qualifications are we are we giving ourselves here? Are we? I would I would. This is what I would think. I think we just have the tools, but we are ourselves. So we we okay. have already had the proton pack, the car. We have the storage, whatever, and so like 
We have the equipment, but not the knowledge. Yeah, I, I think we're given the equipment of the Ghostbusters, and then I, I feel like that's pretty fair. See, even without the knowledge, I feel like we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, me too. <laughs> well, because, like, first they know don't cross the streams because of their knowledge. If we had no concept of that, like, early on, like, job two, we accidentally collide our streams and blow up the friggin' universe or whatever. <laughs> and then at the end, like, they have the idea to cross the streams to kill Gozer. And, like, if we somehow know not to cross the streams, I don't think we'd know what crossing the streams would do, so we'd have no concept of that would work to kill Gozer. So mm-hmm. Gozer would destroy us. Well, that and there, and even when he says it, when they when they say they cross the streams, like they're like, you know, there's a very high probability that this will kill us, like if anything goes wrong here. So like, one false move when crossing the streams, he still dies. Sorry, that's me actually, isn't it? Should make it so I kept much thinking it was you, Lanson. Shut up. Sorry, <laughs> Dad. Shut up, Lanson. I heard a something i remember as a kid i don't you're gonna have to fact check me on this but dan Aykroyd does have sex with a ghost okay that's fine. he is also canadian i would not be able to survive then (laughs) that's not what i was gonna say but that's what i'm gonna say now wait (laughs) wait adam no please please when they were gonna cross so is the whole thing don't cross the streams you'll be obliterated into a million pieces and then when they end up crossing the streams doesn't it, like, take a second? Like, they're, like, cross the streams, and then it's super dramatic, and they're doing it for a second. They're, like, right next to each other, and then it blows up? Or is it, like, immediately? No, it's it's takes a minute. Well, That's not, like, I, a minute, but it takes a couple beats. I remember finding well, that but weird. The, uh, yeah, <clears throat> but they're, they're, like, putting it through, like, the portal. So they're, like funneling the energy into the portal. And I think that's why it takes a second okay. in that moment. Because... Th- it's not like just in the average everyday world. They're literally standing like in the portal doing it. Okay. I think, I think that's what that's The about. argument I was going to make is that maybe we'd survive an accidental because I feel like if you accidentally do it once, it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. But if you're like way up and dramatic about it, that's when it blows up. But I think if it's in a portal, then that, that argument is invalid so sure well and and i'm willing to say that we don't kill ourselves by accidentally crossing the streams at the beginning of the movie if we have the equipment we've probably been given the warning hey don't cross the streams also it feels like common sense to have those scary plasma streams i wouldn't want to cross them i feel like i would just have that innate sense maybe that's just me but i i believe i would have that but then we still have the issue at the end of the movie of we don't know how to Knowing defeat Gozer. Two cross the streams. Yeah, we we don't know that that would be that that could work. Well, let's brainstorm. What were what would be other ways to defeat Gozer? Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay, um, I'm listening. Break out the Egyptian god cards, Exodia, the Forbidden, all five pieces put together. I, you know, well, and in fairness, I think basically what it comes down to is they decide to destroy the temple on the other side of the portal. And it might occur to me, hey, we have a freaking like nuclear reactor on our back. Let's just like make one of these go atomic, drop it off in the temple there and try and get out of here. Because mm. I think that's ultimately like what ends up killing Gozer is the fact that they destroy the temple by crossing the streams. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe 
like that, that's worth thinking about like if all you have to do is destroy the temple yeah we could probably figure out a way we to do that it a different way even if you just like put a proton pack in there and then fire like with another proton pack at it you could probably get it to blow up yeah probably so yeah and and at that point like they're clearly not that worried about dying because like the whole world's going to be destroyed so at that point i'd be like yeah we got to... nothing to lose might as well try it out just yeah I mean, what's the worst that happens? We end the world before Gozer ends it? <laughs> I don't want to be the d***s that end the world, though, even if it was right before someone was about to the end of the world. Nobody wants to be the one that purses the red button. <sighs> Nobody. But I think that's a good point. Maybe it would have been... There could have been another way that we, just using common sense, could have accidentally or happened upon the explosive nature of the proton packs well if we have the equipment i'm sure we're aware of like vaguely what it is given a rundown yeah yeah we we know that it's dangerous we know that it's very experimental technology and we've used it a couple times to know that a a laser beam of sorts comes out the end and it's probably explosive again just coming from common sense and what it looks like and i've seen science fiction movies (laughs) so you can I've say seen I'm, movies. I'm, I'm going to be an expert in that field. I know. I know what things I are. I know things. So, yeah, I mean, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, in terms of final boying this movie, meaning that we make it all the way to at least facing off against Gozer. I'd say easy. Easy. No particular problem. because None of nobody... the other ghosts are trying to eat you, you know, they're just. Yeah, none of the other ghosts seem to pose a physical threat to you Mm-mm. whatsoever. Final Boy status being a little bit of a gimme, I think. I don't. Sorry, I don't mean to jump the gun or anything. You're good. Yeah, I, I'm feeling. Yeah. I felt like we said what we need to say. You're thinking about something, Luke. I'm, I'm thinking about reaching Final Girl status. Again, I just feel like it depends on which character you're subbing in for. Mm. If I sub in for Dana Barrett, Lewis Tully or even Winston or Venkman, I'd say if I'm in any of their shoes, I can survive as long as I have the brains of Ray and Egon on my side. If it was you and then the three others, that's what you're saying? Yeah, like if, I, if, was su- if I was sub- yeah. subbed in for a specific character, like me as I am now, Gotcha. I think as long as like the brains of Ray they and were still Egon on your formulate side. the plan to take down Gozer... I say solid. You know, if if I'm there and I know how to operate the proton pack and Egon says, let's cross the streams, and I say, awesome, let's do it. following orders at yeah. that point. <laughs> That's basically what Venkman does and, yeah. and Winston as well. Yeah. Um, if I'm in the shoes of Dana or Lewis, they survive because of the Ghostbusters. There's literally nothing they can do about yeah, it. Yeah, they're just kind of at the mercy of fate. So, yeah, if I'm in one of their shoes, but the rest of the Ghostbusters stay exactly the same and everything unfolds the same way, then I'm fine. What if us three were the Ghostbusters? Uh, well, there's four Ghostbusters. Who's the fourth? Vincent. Vincent. Vincent the skeleton. Vincent, our skeleton roommate. Okay, I'm going to say, yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think I'd survive. All right, in, in that, if we were just the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, at the very least, like I'm, I'm not saying that you guys wouldn't necessarily hey, get out yeah, of it. You just... Maybe you guys would be okay, but I feel like I'd find a way to really mess things up for myself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
So yeah, like it. Yeah, I I feel like you just you need them big old PhD brains working on this problem, and I'm worried that in any situation where they're where I'm in where I'm sub subbing in for them, that's just disaster. So I would say final boy status. I can do that. Final girl status. I'm actually I'm gonna say no for this movie. Wow. Surprising probably, but it is what it is. Yeah, I guess I just don't see myself making it to Final Girl, man. I don't even I don't even know about Final Boy. I probably just have the luck just to like strip over a storm drain, fall in a manhole. I don't know, get hit by a cab, being like, I'm so excited to be a Ghostbuster. Bam, that guy's freaking dead. Maybe freaking that dude. And maybe my ghost would assist you guys. There you oh go. That's what I'm gonna say. That's You'll good. have a ghost Whoa. ally. Ghost boy. Danny Phantom. I feel like you guys and all the other podcasts are like pretty sure and confident of yourselves. And that's what I'm gonna be this time. Because oh, I feel like I can make final boy status. I feel like I would get some ghost intel from the woman ghost who tries to <laughs> I feel like I could get yeah. some good information from her because I, I'd assume oh, yeah. there's a there's a network of ghosts and they all kind of know what's going on right I feel like now's a good time to remind you that in the movie that is a dream is it a dream that's not an actual yeah. ghost but yeah hey. no Ray's dreaming it you can still get that info I'm gonna pretend dream. like there is an actual ghost willing to <laughs> And so if that was a dream, I'll find an actual ghost and get some good intel and learn the weaknesses of Gozer and then find out that one of the weaknesses of Gozer is the temple and then blow up the temple using our proton little boxes. And I would make final girl status and having an awesome ghost girlfriend. Hey. Kapow. It's a win-win, man. Yeah, there, there's there's no losing anywhere. He's in, a in champ, my... champ. Let's uh let's take some calls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Is it hello? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello, sir. What is your name? My name is Zool. 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 Wow. Oh wow. Uh, uh, Zool. Any connection to the film Ghostbusters from 1984? Never seen it. Never seen it. Never seen it. Okay. Interesting. Can I, uh, where are you from originally, Zul? Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Albu- New Mexico. Land I of enchantment. Correct. Hey, Very nice. right on, dude. Uh, what, what brings you to our program? To, if you're unfamiliar with Ghostbusters, are you just a horror fan in general and you wanted to call into the show? No. I yeah. like. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay. He needs clear, sir. <laughs> <clears throat> no. Never seen it. <laughs> well, it's it's a podcast, so you'd listen to it. Just just so you know, you should listen to it. It's Final Boy status. I don't care. Okay, oh, okay. I'm here to promote my mixtape. <laughs> good. Well, good. All right. Good. I want to I want to hear about this name of uh, what is the name of your mixtape, sir? It's called Don't Fool the Zool. <laughs> oh shoot! Don't Dear. fool the Zool. This, this guy's spitting fire right it's out a the rap gate. album. Could you, That's usually what I think when dang, I think mixtape. Okay, could you drop a couple bars for us? Maybe freestyle yeah, a little yeah, bit? Give, give me a beat. <laughs> yeah. My name is Zool. Yeah. They call me cool. I ain't no fool. When I go to school, every day I rule. 
Long live Zool, fool. Yeah. Hey. Zool out. Hot fire. Man. Oh, he hung up right at the end of that. He hung up. He dropped <laughs> he really the mic. He really went for that. That's amazing. Good on that guy. <laughs> now I understand why we take calls, because that was awesome. Bruh. Now, now I get it. Albuquerque, what's up? Check out your boy. Check <laughs> Zool. Out, check out your boy, Zool. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fool the Zool. You can't. Oh. He goes to school. He goes to school. <laughs> he's cool, gosh dang it. I definitely Man. heard that he went to school. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's great. That's that's just great. Yeah. That's very great. Big big fan. Yeah, so uh, uh let's uh, take one more call. <laughs> Why the heck not? Let's go for it. <laughs> Who's gonna Hello? Hello? Hello, yeah, thank you for calling Final Boy Status. Yes, hello. My name is uh did you want to know my name? Yeah, please. Please. Yes, hello. I'm William Williamson. You can call me Billy Billiamson. Cool, cool. And uh and what what's your your purpose of calling Billy Billiamson? Well, uh I am in fact a lawyer for the Environmental Protection Agency in oh, your US cool. of A. Mm-hmm. Uh I I have six law degrees, each from a different country. Okay. I'm, I'm all over the world. Nice. I'm global. Global. Good. And uh, I, I'm here to tell you uh, that the actions taken in this movie are uh, th- there's no uh, legal process really at any point in this movie, and I think that that is a shortcoming of the film. That's a very interesting cool. perspective, Billy yeah. Williamson. I like to bring an interesting perspective whenever. It, it, mm-hmm. I hope it, you guys a, can another one, a different one you, than the one you just gave. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who me? Yep. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, it's, it's a little odd on my... I am, in fact, on a raft in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean calling it right now. So it's, it's, mm. it, there might be some spotty reception. So uh, wait, can I just ask what, uh, what, what you're doing in the Atlantic Ocean on a raft? Are you, are you lost? Do you need help? Or are you uh, just doing it for recreation? Or? Uh, it started as recreation. It's now a nightmare. So why, why did you call us instead of maybe... I mean, you, you have reception, obviously, but... Be- uh, well, roll over minutes. Uh, I'm just calling anybody who would answer. Oh, okay. Make sure I use up my minutes this month. That's uh, smart. Yeah, don't okay. be wasteful. Well, we're happy to do that for you. No, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I put in calls to several people. You're just the the first chaps that have uh, answered the call. Oh, uh, oh happy to talk oh. to you. Happy to talk. Uh, uh, what do you know about? Uh, 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 um, what, 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 what do you know about hydration on the high seas? Uh, Drink your own piss. I mean, honestly. Okay. Sure. I, I, how, <laughs> how far have you gone from shore? Do you, do you remember? Is there any sort of indication? Do you see anything? How, how far have I gone towards drinking my own piss? What, what no, was the question? The question is, like, how far have you gone from the shore? Do you remember, like, paddling out? Did you get uh, caught in the storm? Or, or, or what's happening here? Uh-huh. Well, I remember being in the plane. You were in a plane. Wait, uh, you did he crash? There, there was no crash. I, I was, I, I admit it. I was tomfooling. I was tomfooling where I shouldn't have been, and I activated the life raft on the plane. And when it came, <laughs> you pull a you know string. The, the legal ramifications of such an action, Willie Williamson. Well, uh, it, it was, it was a real mess all, all mm-hmm. around. Sure, uh, sure. I, I pulled a little string on the wall, and uh, out came the raft. Yeah. And I was feeling a bit stuffed. I, I, you know, obviously uh, the sort of a tension in the air. I felt the air was a bit stuffing. Yeah. And I decided to try and crack open a window to tr- mm. try and relieve the, the stuffy oh, air. Okay. Uh, that was my second mistake. Mm. I forgot that I was in a plane. 
and I shot out of the window with the raft right behind me. I was able to use the raft as a parachute, float down safely to the ocean, uh, and I have been in, in this raft ever since. So didn't start out as recreation is what you're telling me. I was on the plane recreationally. Ah, well, I actually fair. didn't need to be on the plane. I, I, I just hopped on. I thought it'd be a real real fun thing to do. Do you need us to send help? Should we maybe triangulate your location? I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming that my that my compatriots from the plane are, in fact, looking for me now. Um, uh, no reason to believe otherwise so far. Well, sounds like you're doing good. You got your piss to drink. You got your compadres to come save you. Um, All right. Uh, thanks for calling you. in. Best of luck. Yes, yes. Pip, pip. Uh, God bless you. Okay, cool, guys. Let's, uh, let's take another call. <laughs> No. I think Willie Williamson <laughs> no more was calls. a good rap for the calls. <laughs> We've cut the phone lines. <laughs> I did with my scissors. We will never take a call on this show again. <laughs> no. <laughs> never again. All right, guys. Well, uh... Since we've we've had some good fun, we've talked about Ghostbusters, let's wrap things up a little bit here. Uh, any plugs anybody would like to give as we're wrapping up here? Um... Yeah, keep following this show. This is, uh, I don't know what installment of it, but we've been doing this for, for a little while now, and we've got more shows to come. The next one will be... Uh, your Next. Your Next is the next movie, a very fun one with Luke Howder and a couple it's, other yeah, guests. Special guests, uh, special guests Chelsea Dawn and Marissa Powell on, on that episode. Nice. So it won't be the normal three, three average Joes, but the other three good. average Joes. I, I'm yeah. making assumptions here. I don't actually know know them. I'm sure they're great. But um, <laughs> check it out. This show is super awesome. If Look for your favorite horror movies. If you have suggestions, go ahead and email us. Uh, one of these times I'm going to get the email memorized. Underqualifiedidiots at gmail.com. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> oh, first time. Um, give us an email. Suggestions. Questions. Um I don't know. If you have some beef with Lanson, go ahead and duke it out in the old email. Bro, if you got beef with me, you, you best say it to my face or in the email. Yeah. yeah. Email's fine. <laughs> That's email's acceptable fine. to him. Email's yeah. Fine. yeah. Email's fine. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the social media, like if, and if email sounds too old fashioned, like we're on social media at you idiocracy on Twitter. That's at U I D I O C R A C Y at you idiocracy. I am also on Twitter. I am at Luke Howder. That's L-U-K-E-H-A-U-E-T-E-R. Uh, I, yeah, I make jokes and I do various different things on Twitter if you want to be part of that. Uh, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash underqualifiedidiots. We're on Instagram uh, at underqualifiedidiocracy. We're around. Like, you guys can find us. Uh, big thank you to everybody who's listened to the show. Please keep listening uh word of word of mouth like honestly is huge with podcasts and we want to we we're hoping we can do this kind of for a while but gotta you know gotta have a solid listenership so if you like the show tell some friends about it share it around let's get a little let's build a little community of final boys and final girls out there i like it thank you guys for always uh being so great listening in and we'll catch you next time all right let's uh let's take some calls This has been an Underqualified Idiocracy Media production, produced by Lanson Lappin, Adam Bone, and Luke Houter.
You can find additional content and final boy status updates on the YouTube channel for Underqualified Idiocracy Media. Uncut and extended episodes are available at patreon.com slash lukehowder. Theme music was written by Rachel Robison. You can hear more of Rachel's music at rachelrobisonmusic.com. You can also find her work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Robel Racheson. Temporary artwork provided by Luke Howder and Lewis Conrad. This podcast was recorded in underqualified studios and edited by Luke Howder with special thanks to Mike Fuchs for providing audio assistance. The illustrious voice acting providing the intro and outro to this episode is Shane Alvey of the Paradox Files voice acting. You can explore more of his work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at The Paradox Files. Thank you for tuning in. And never say, I'll be right back.